you know, if you, I mean, personally, if every time I listen to that song, I have goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, the message is, is really challenging for a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Because if we know the doctrine of salvation, the, 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 the message of the song is very clear. If they don't have the Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to um, suffer the consequence of uh, not being saved. So let's continue to pray, uh, especially for our missionaries. And we thank God for giving us the privilege to support 100 missionaries. At least we are a part of uh, the sharing of the gospel to the whole world. So good evening, brethren. I thought kanina kakalug-kalug kami. We're just <laughs> thought no one is coming. I thought we were already you are already raptured. <laughs> but thank God that you are here. <laughs> thank God for your faithfulness, folks. All right. So I hope you are ready for the message tonight. And our text is found in John chapter one, verses thirty-five to fifty-one. But to save time, we'll just be reading uh, verse thirty-eight, thirty-nine, and forty-three. But before that, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer first. Lord, Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you and we ask you for cleansing as we approach your holy word tonight. Lord, be with us. Um, we pray for the Holy Spirit to guide us, Lord God. Help us to understand your, your word tonight, your message. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. So please open your Bible in John chapter 1. In John chapter 1. And I will be reading, as I've said, uh, the specific verses that you just mentioned, 38, 39, and 43. And you'll just, uh, you just follow me silently, okay? In verse 38, the Bible sta states, Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? You know, the Lord Jesus Christ asked them with a question, and they answered with a question, right? In verse 39, he saith unto them, this is the next one, come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. And then in verse 43, the day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, follow me. You know, in these verses, specifically, specifically 35 to 51, we see here Jesus' public ministry and his first disciples. And I entitled this message tonight, Responding to Jesus' invitation you know when you hear special numbers like that uh, I don't know but there's something there that pricks your heart right especially when you talk about the invitation of the Lord Jesus Christ to follow the Great Commission you know please take note of Jesus invitation in these verses number one in verse 38 what seek ye number two come and see, verse 39. And number three, follow me, in verse 43. You know, 
it was May 13 of 2012 when I noted these verses on my Bible. I still have it here, right here. <laughs> and I think there, it was a missionary who used this text uh, for his preaching. But I never had the chance to develop a message. But when I was reading these passages, as Pastor Sam was preaching from, you know, from it last Sunday, these three caught again my attention. So by God's grace, and of course with the help of some commentaries, I was able to develop a message, and I hope it will be a blessing to you tonight. But I will only share the first point tonight. <laughs> I will not keep you long. And God willing, continue with the remaining points when given the privilege to preach again. Let me start in verse 35 as an introduction. In verse 35, it states, again the next day, after John stood and two of his disciples. You know, we have the events of, take note, four consecutive days here in verses 19 to 43. When John the Apostle wrote in verse 35, as we read here again, the next day, that is actually the third day. Because the first day begins in John chapter 1 verse 19. The second day in John chapter 1 verse 29. And then the third day is found here in verse 35. That's what we just read. And then the fourth day is in John chapter 1 verse 43. So if you follow the sequence, that is the sequence of the first day, second day, third day, and the fourth day as John the Baptist is preaching about the Lamb. So verse 35 is the third day in sequence, but who are the two disciples on the third day with him? That's the question there, right? Well, one was specifically mentioned in verse 40. What is his name? No, verse 40. Andrew. There you go. So Andrew, the brother of, there you go, Brother Robert, Peter, Simon. The other one is not mentioned, but Bible commentators agreed to be John the Apostle, the writer of this gospel, as he never mentioned himself by his first name in this gospel. So let me go first. Let me go to my first point. What seek ye? And I have two subpoints. First, subpoint, the persuasion to seek Jesus. The question is, what persuaded the two disciples to seek and follow Jesus? And the second point is the purpose behind the question. What is the intention of Jesus in asking the question? So let's go to the first subpoint, the persuasion to seek Jesus. In verses 36 to 37, the Bible states, And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Actually, John the Baptist preached a longer version of this, and we can find that in verse 29. 
In verse 29, it says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh, taketh away the sin of the world. So that's a longer version of verse 37, because in verse 37, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. That's the shorter version. So the word behold means to look into the face. Fix the eyes upon and so to stare at. So the Baptist is like saying, don't miss him. When I say Baptist, John the Baptist, okay? Focus on his face, he said. He is the Lamb of God. So what does it mean that Jesus is the Lamb of God? So when John the Baptist referred to Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, in John 1.29, the Jews who heard him might have immediately thought of the Passover lamb. You know, the Jews celebrate the Passover feast in remembrance of God's deliverance of the Israelites from bondage in Egypt. We are familiar with the narrative in Exodus chapter 12, right? The plague of death did not touch the Israelites because of the blood of the slayed lamb that was on their doorposts. So God fulfilled what he promised. What was the promise? He said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague will not be upon you to destroy you. So the slaying of the Passover lamb and the applying of the blood to the doorposts of their houses is a beautiful picture of Christ shedding his blood on the cross to cover or protect us from the angel or the spiritual death. He is the atonement, the perfect, spotless, and ultimate sacrifice for sin. Also, take note, at that time, they would have also been familiar with the Old Testament prophets, specifically Jeremiah and Isaiah who foretold the coming of the one who would be brought, take note, like a lamb led to the slaughter. Jeremiah 11, verse 19. If you want to open your Bibles there, I think we have there. Jeremiah 11, 19. But I was like a lamb or an ox that is brought to the slaughter, and I knew not that they had devised devices against me, saying, let us destroy the tree with the fruit thereof, and let us cut him off the land of the living, that his name may be no more remembered. Referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Isaiah 53 verse 7, it states, He was oppressed. Who is he? And he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought again, it says here, as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. So the person being referred to here was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. As John the Baptist point to him, the Lamb of God. So the two disciples of John the Baptist might have already heard these things about the Lamb of God. That's why it states in verse 37, And the two disciples heard John the Baptist speak, 
You know, the Baptist was not necessarily, you know, directing or directly addressing the two disciples, but they were able to hear what he said. It's good, you know, it did not go in one ear and out the other. <laughs> because the verse states, and they followed Jesus. Meaning, they followed Jesus immediately when they heard John the Baptist pointing to Jesus, the Lamb of God. So what persuaded the two disciples to seek Jesus? It was because of John the Baptist pointing to Jesus as the Lamb of God. You know, as an application, I was thinking of this. Today, in the church age, we are commanded and commissioned to directly point to Jesus as the only Savior. As he already fulfilled once and for all the purpose of the Lamb's sacrifice and the Old Testament sacrificial system. He died on the cross for the atonement of our sin. We do not have to sacrifice a lamb, you know, for our sin's forgiveness. Amen? Because in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him, Jesus, right, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteous, righteousness of God in him. I believe the reason we have this evangelism conference every year is to remind us of our main purpose as a follower and as a church to share the gospel of Christ. We must train ourselves of how to share the gospel of salvation because we believe that it is the only, take note, underscore, the only hope, the only solution for mankind to escape the ultimate condemnation of sin, which is hell. You know, the Bible describes hell where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. That's how grievous it is when you talk about the punishment of sin. That's why it is our passion as a church to always emphasize the gospel of salvation. We are told in Acts chapter 4, 12, Acts chapter 4, verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other, none other name. That's Jesus Christ. Under heaven given, given among men whereby we must be saved. In 1 John chapter 5, 11 to 12. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, take note. And he that hath not, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And of course, we're so familiar with John 14, verse 6. The reason why Jesus said, said this is because he was the one who did everything, accomplished everything for this salvation. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh to the Father but by me. 
Today, we are so blessed because we have the complete scriptures. When we present Jesus to someone, we have the whole scriptures to persuade or convince that someone. One of the familiar ways to present the gospel is the so-called Romans Road. It is called the Romans Road because all the verses came from the book, book of Romans. And I have something in here. Maybe you can use this one. I call it the four Ps. The first P is the problem. For me, it is vital to first emphasize the reality of the problem because if you have no problem, you don't need a Savior. The Bible declared the problem in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So the greatest problem here is what? Sin. Second P, penalty. The penalty. Our problem has a penalty. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23a, for the wages of sin is what? Death. We're so familiar with this. But make sure we understand the other type of death included into that. It's not only physical death, but is spiritual death. When you talk about spiritual death, that is eternal suffering in a place called hell. In Romans 3.23, for all have sinned, take note of the consequence, and come short of the glory of God. That means there's no way for that soul, for that unsaved soul to go to heaven. Not only short of the glory of God, but it says in verse 10, unrighteous. Not only unrighteous, but it says in verse 12, unprofitable, can't do any good. Bottom line, our sins separated us from God and we stand guilty before him. The third P is provision. Thank God for this. Yes, we have a problem. And that problem has a condemning penalty, damning penalty. But we must thank God for his provision. Remember that song? There is no problem too hard. God cannot solve it. In Romans chapter 5 verse 8, But God commandeth his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, what? Christ died for us. In Romans 6.23, again, let's go back to that verse. For the wages of sin is death. Thank God. It says, but the gift of eternal life through. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Jesus Christ, John the Baptist says, the Lamb of God. The propitiation, the restitution, the payment, and the atonement for our sin. And last but not the least, the fourth P, privilege. So problem, penalty, provision, and privilege. What are we going to do with the Lord's provision? Take hold of the privilege. Romans 10, verses 9 to 10. 
that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, was the promise, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What a great privilege. It is through Jesus' death on the cross as God's perfect sacrifice for sin in his resurrection three days later that we can now have eternal life if we believe in him. Now, before I go to verse 38, I want to emphasize something in verse 36 to 37. Notice here, John the Baptist astonishing willingness of letting go of his two disciples to follow Jesus and transition to become the permanent disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, according to the commentary that I, I used, Austin commentary, yung word na behold dito is actually a command to follow. So John the Baptist did not just want his two disciples, you know, to behold, to look at Jesus, but in essence, from the context, to follow him. Church ministers or leaders, you know, have the tendency to say, my church, my members, with the selfish or self-gratification way. But the church is Christ's, and the members are his disciples. John the Baptist is a great reminder of meekness or forbearance. He was aware of his mission to prepare the people for the coming Messiah and now that the Christ, the Messiah, is here, it's time to point him to his disciples that he is the Lamb of God. And remember, his humble assertion is this. He must increase, but I must decrease. Let's move on to the second sub-point. The purpose behind the question. You know, I personally believe that when Jesus asked the question, it was actually an inviting question. Verse 38, Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? You know, when I was trying meditating on this, I was thinking of our generation. You know, today many seek Jesus for the wrong reasons. Some only seek him for prosperity. Others only seek him for healing. Some only seek him when they are in trouble. When everything is fine, the Lord Jesus Christ is just in the background. Others only seek him because they want to find out if he is a good-looking man. That is why you see his picture in a frame with long, shiny hair. Anong shampoo kaya ginagamit ni Jesus, no? And blue eyes. 
Some only seek Him as a Savior, but not as Lord, right? They want to put Jesus in a box to their own craze, to their own inclination, to their own definition, you know, to their own lifestyles. They don't want to follow His commands. If it is against, you know, their lifestyle, they defy His absolute standard for morality. At times, we ourselves seek Jesus with the wrong motives. So when Jesus asked the two disciples this question, take note. He did not say, whom do you seek? He said, what seek ye? You know, sa Tagalog, hindi niya sinabi, hindi, hin, sino ang hinahanap niyo? No. Ang sabi niya, ano ang hinahanap niyo? If the question is who, the answer is so obvious, right? Because they're seeking for him. But he said, what seek ye? It is actually an invitation for them to reveal their purpose in seeking him or following him. Why do they seek him? What is their motive? This question will expose their inner feelings you know, and expectations. If Jesus asks us this profound question, what is our answer? Have you ever asked yourself, what am I seeking for? Remember that song popularized by Eddie Pellegrina, <laughs> what am I living for? That makes sense, right? <laughs> You know, as a committed, not committed, okay? As a committed follower of Jesus Christ, this type of question should penetrate our soul. What am I seeking for? Why am I here? You know, just a little bit of testimony. There was a time in my life when I was divinely bothered by my routine for the whole week, you know? Get up in the morning, take a shower, eat breakfast, sometimes no breakfast, go to work all day, come home in the evening, have dinner, watch television, and then go to bed. And then the next day, get up in the morning, take a shower, eat breakfast, sometimes no breakfast, go to work the whole day, come back in the evening, talk to the family a little bit, watch TV, watch social media, go to bed, sleep. The next day, get up in the morning, take a shower, have a breakfast, whatever, etc., you know, in the middle, like, we have pray, pray, uh, pray, Wednesday prayer meeting and Friday Bible study, church services sat, uh, Sunday. So, I ask myself, is this the whole proportion of what I do until I die? There are, there are times I still ask myself that question. Meanwhile, I just praise and thank God for giving our church many avenues, you know, and ministries to serve the Lord. Amen? But I think the challenge is we can do more for Him. I'm still waiting for the Lord for that specific door to open for me. For me to give my all. Not to my usual routine every day but to give my all for his glory. 
You know, I've tried to knock on some doors before, but the door did not open. So I take that as the Lord saying to me, no, that's, that door is not for you. Or maybe he's just saying, just wait. But yes, the question, what am I looking for? Or what do I really want? Or why am I here? This is supposed to be the supreme question for a disciple or sincere follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go back and take notice of the disciples' answer. When Jesus asked, what seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, where dwellest thou? You know, at first you think their answer is, is out of place, right? But when you take a closer, closer look at it, you know, it is a very smart answer. Why? Because if they know where he lives, then they know where to find him. You know, Andrew and John, the apostle, were not merely asking Jesus where he lives. They meant to have an extended fellowship with him. In his place, they can have a longer fellowship, right? They can interview the Lord Jesus Christ. They can ask him questions of who he really is. And in verse 39, it, 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 that, that idea is indicated in verse 39. In verse 39, it says, They came and saw where he dwelt. And take note, it says, And abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. Imagine the whole day, the whole night, they were with him. So I believe that their answer to Jesus' inviting question exposed their willingness to transition from John the Baptist's disciples to Jesus' permanent disciples. And we learn from the story that are narrated in the New Testament and other history books that these disciples, not only these two disciples, the message of the song, they buried their heart in the mission field until their dying days. As my conclusion, this month is evangelism month in our church. And in the context of seeking or pursuing the Lord, it is just proper to support our evangelism conference scheduled the last week of this month. You know, without the evangelism ministry, I would say this, we might not as well exist as a church. This ministry is the main purpose of Christ's church. We must always keep in mind his what? His great commission. Adding to this is to support our Bible study group. Wednesday prayer meeting, thank you for your presence tonight. Men's and ladies fellowship. Church Sunday services. Saturday ministries and activities. These are the avenues God given to Bergen Bible Baptist Church to continue to seek and to pursue Him. Serve Him at every opportunity and experience God to fulfill His promise to use us and bless us. Remember that very familiar verse, Matthew 6.33? But, take note, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and 
his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take note of the condition, but, and then first, let us not forget those two words. And then, in Jeremiah 29, verse 13, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me. Again, the condition with all your heart. I would like to end with this. I would like to say this with sincerity. Our sincere answer to the question of Jesus Christ's question, what seek ye, will reveal our true desire and inner longing in life. Your presence tonight reveals that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you once again for reminding us about the Lord Jesus Christ inviting us to serve him sincerely. Lord, continue to bless our church as we try hard by your grace and by the guidance of the Holy Spirit to serve you with the many avenues and ministries that you have given us. Thank you so much, Lord God, for those privileges and opportunities. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.